When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I am Mike Cadlick, joined by 98.5 The Sports Hub's Alex Barth, as always. And we are here to preview uh, the Patriots' Christmas Eve matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals coming up on Saturday. Uh, before we do that, however, I uh, want to get into some Patriots news. Uh, we haven't had much Patriots news prior to uh, these previews uh, lately, but um, first thing I want to talk about is Bill Belichick this week not being – he's been rather noncommittal to Mac Jones um, as the Patriots quarterback uh, the rest of the way here. He was asked yesterday if um, Mac would be starting these next three games, and all he basically said was, uh, we're just worried about Cincinnati. I don't know what to make of it, Alex. Um, It kind of seems like Belichick just sort of doing his, I'm not going to get into that nonsense, you know, we're just here to play the games. But at the same time, he's talking up Joe Burrow like crazy. He has had this mantra of Max, our quarterback, uh, basically ever since they cut Cam Newton. Uh, And that's changed drastically. Uh, I mean, again, this year with Bailey Zappi and especially now um, when the, you know, when it comes up, but. What do you think of this? Is this just Belichick not giving in, or is there something to this? I I think Bill's fed up with the whole situation. And, and the whole situation, I mean, just dealing with a team that's not performing up to the level, right? Like, right. I mean, sitting in that presser today with him, first of all, he's 30 minutes late, which it happens. Yeah. It's not a knock, but right. you could cut the tension in there with a knife. Like, he was just yeah, it was not about it. And I, I think he's just sick of answering questions because the, the questions – have been repetitive and that's not a knock on the people asking the questions. The issues for the team have also been repetitive. And so naturally you get repetitive questions and I think he's just sick of it. So I do think there's something to him, not just saying, what are you talking about? You know, not starting Mac. He's our starting quarterback, but I also just think that he's not giving those press conferences. a ton. He's not right now. Right. Yeah. 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 He's just, he's just over it. It's interesting, though, because if if they're really going to make a move off of Mac Jones, this is not the time to do it. No, it, it would make absolutely all. no sense. It would. Well, right. So here's what's tricky. And, and regardless of what you think of Mac Jones, and here come all the people in the comments saying, I'm a Mac apologist. And I need to get over it. Mac's the worst quarterback to ever play in the NFL when he's not even the worst quarterback in his division right now. If, if you move off Mac Jones now, that's it, right? That right. Like, he's done. You're, there's no coming back from that. You're giving up on Mac Jones. And then it's back into the quarterback carousel this offseason, which I've said before and I'll say again is the last place you want to be. Right. It is the – especially – this is not a great quarterback class coming up. You know, it's it's not – this is very not Very top-heavy. It's very top-heavy. Even at the top, like I think there's questions about Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. I I, I really I love think there Bryce are. Young. I I think Bryce Young's going to be a stud. Well, we're going to get into that too. plenty I of do. times here, but I mean, I do too. I don't think he's at that like Trevor Lawrence level, right? I don't think That's he's fair. one of these. I don't know that I take him first overall. It depends on the team. I like I, I really like Will Anderson. I do him a huge fan of, but yeah, yeah. We, we'll do all that down the road. After those two, who even if the Patriots lose out, they're not getting that high in the draft. They're just not. Right. It would just be a really weird time to move on from him. And for the most part, you give a young quarterback three years, unless it's an absolute unmitigated disaster. 
Which, uh, <laughs> here's what I'd say. Kind of what we're looking at here, Barth. It's look not at, Matt's but, fault, but well, here's the other side of it. Look at the whole picture, right? Right. It's it was last year an unmitigated disaster. No, he took them to the playoffs. So, right. and, and no, this you it proves my point exactly what you just said. You go from a year where yes, he kind of fell off at the end, but he was never as bad at the end of last season as he is now. Right. Right. You go from a year where he was good enough to take them to the playoffs. You then put him in what's probably going to go down as the most dysfunctional coaching staff, at least offensively, the most dysfunctional offensive coaching staff in the modern history of the NFL, and he falls off, and you're just going to write it off and say, nope, this is who he is. Like, it makes no sense. I think I said this on Tuesday. I might have said it on the Sports Hub show. I don't remember. But there, it's certainly a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league 100%. But that doesn't mean last year gets no weight, right? You still have right. to look at what he did last year. And I, the third year is, is the big deal because you're looking at, you know, you're looking at the third year option or the fifth year option. After the third year, you have to sign that fifth year option. Are we committing to this guy? Mac has shown enough that you've got to see if you can get him back on the track he was on last year. Right. right. And I just, I, I I think benching him now and moving on would be incredibly short-sighted because you're essentially hitting the rebuild button. And if you do that, a lot of these guys you have that are, you know, kind of coming along now, whether that be Matthew Judon, whether that be Ramondre Stevenson, Kyle Duggar, Josh Uche, yep. they're not now not a part of your next contending window. They're not. So you're hitting you a reset. If you move on from yeah, Mac right. Jones, sure. you're hitting reset on everything. And I just... It would be so short-sighted and so reactionary to do that right now. I just don't think they can do it. It, it, it would set them back so much. And for uh, Bill, too, who knows how many years he has left? Does he want to sit through a full rebuild? Because that's it's a full rebuild at that point, right? You're back to where you were in March of 2020 after Tom Brady left. You, right. you might even be behind that because I still think they had other good players on the roster, right? Now we're looking at another Cam Newton, Jared Stidham situation, and you just can't. You can't do that at this point. And you're also giving there, – there's no reason to bench Mac now because all you're doing is giving Bailey Zappi the mess that is what's going on here right now, right? right. So you're not even going to get a good test run of Bailey Zappi and be like, hey, maybe we have something here because the play call – they can hardly run a play, Alex. We saw that against uh, – or Oakland, geez. We saw that against Vegas. They can't run a I play. I still say so, San Diego. You're fine. Again, so like it, it, it doesn't make sense to do it now. I don't think they will, but I do find it interesting that Belichick's seemingly leaving the door open um, for a potential change this season. Next season, again, like you said, weak, weakish quarterback class. I kind of like the guys at the top, and you know Stroud and Bryce Young, obviously. But I mean, I'm not giving up what what you have left in Mac Jones for a guy like Will Levis or Anthony Richardson quite yet. I just I'm not right. there. Because I would still like to see, again, this, and I think Robert Sala mentioned it when talking about Zach Wilson, this instant coffee era of quarterbacks where you want it now, and if it doesn't work in a year, see you later. And that's sort of what they're dealing with in New York now. That's not how it always works because guys can, you know, guys can come into something. And, I mean, you saw it with Alex Smith in San Francisco. He was a dumpster fire for years. And then they ha you get the right guys around him. He matures a little bit. You get the right piece around him. And he's able to take that team far in the playoffs several years uh, right. once he gets Harbaugh in there. So I still think you need to give Mac a shot with a legit uh, system around him. But, again, we'll see what they do. But I don't see it happening this year. Uh, the other piece of news surrounding Bill Belichick and – it was one question that today he actually sort of did start to get into, Alex, and it was about uh, the way the Patriots are running their offense as far as RPOs go. Andrew Callahan was asking him a little bit of it, same with uh, Phil Perry from NBC Sports Boston. They're sort of using this RPO package a little bit, with, especially with a guy like Marcus Jones, and they're, they're sort of starting to – I mean, they've used a little bit of it all year, but we've seen it a little bit more over the last couple weeks. Um, they're building off it a little bit, so – what did you take from, you know, Bill's comments today? And is there something to this? I mean, it was just really interesting. I wish we had the yeah. transcript because I would love to go back through and read it. Me it was too. really interesting basically as to why they don't run 
certain routes on RPOs and specifically in breaking routes, uh, glance routes, or I mean, it's basically a slant route. It's a little different, but right. instead of explaining all of that, right? It, is it fair? Would you say that's fair if we just discuss this in the context of slant routes? Sure. So Works for me. Bill was asked why they only run their RPOs with bubble screens, and he basically said that the point of an RPO is pairing an inside run concept with an outside or outbreaking passing concept and stretching the field horizontally. And that in itself is not incorrect because that is a philosophy of RPOs. And, and, yeah. and, and the ultimate philosophy is misdirection. So I'm not saying what he said, I, what he said is not incorrect. It's not, it, it just omits a lot. It does. Right? I'm with you. When I heard this too, and you can keep going, but when I heard because, this too, it was, it doesn't make sense. And then they kind of asked him, well, why can't you like mix an outside run with an in-breaking route? And you can do that. The Niners do this a ton. Um, I did it in college. It, it works all the time on Madden. Yes. <laughs> um, we, we got way less relevant there as we went on. Yeah. <laughs> I point, know, right? but, but like <laughs> the point still stands. Like you can go stretch you know, stretch left with a slant from the right side coming over and you're pulling the defense that way. Yep. And read the backside backer bill. And, 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 um, you know, go watch it. Bill's press was on YouTube and it's on the Patriots website, whatever. I, I am paraphrasing here a little bit, but basically said that, well, that's play action. If you're trying to create motion to throw behind the defense, that's play action, which again, in itself, isn't incorrect, but you can also you, a play can't be. You can't have a play that's a play action RPO like that doesn't make sense because play right. action by definition is a fake handoff designed pass. Like a play action play has to be a pass. It cannot be a run. Right. If the quarterback is deciding to hand the ball off or throw it, now it's an RPO. Because right. there's both options there, but it it can't be play action because there's a run element involved in play action doesn't have a run element. So, like, maybe it's a terminology thing. Like, I'm driving home. I'm thinking about this. Maybe they call certain RPOs play action. Like, maybe that's what – because this has happened in the past where we talk about something externally and we ask Bill about it and there's this – or one of the coaches about it or a player – and there's this sort of disconnect. And then later we find out that it's basically just them calling one thing, something else or us calling one thing, something else. So right. it would be a really weird thing to do on their part, like terminology wise. And some of this too is just Bill Belichick BSing, right? Which is what he always does at press conferences, what every coach does at press conferences. Right. So maybe he's more so of, Bill than others, but continue. right. Maybe he's sort of BSing around it. Maybe there's a terminology issue here, but if you take what he said at face value, it kind of explains why their RPO packages isn't that big because they don't view RPOs in the same way other teams do. They view it as a much more limited concept than, 100%. you know, most other teams do because most other teams will throw slants off of that. They'll, they'll, you can throw fades off of it. You can throw hitches off of it. You can pretty much throw any, single breaking route. You're not going to throw a double move because it, it, the ball needs to be out quick. And that that's a whole, you know, uh, um, tenant of the concept. The ball has to get out quickly. But you can throw pretty much any route. You Now, there's certain things you wouldn't pair, right? You wouldn't pair an RPO halfback dive with a slant from the slot because, like Bill said, you would be They're packing the everybody space. into the middle of the field. Right. Right. You, you can't just do whatever you want. You can't just pair run a with run B or pass B and suddenly it's an RPO, but the specific examples he was given, I don't think applied there. Yeah. So I'm again, you. I'm, I'm really interested to go back and read the, the transcript, but it, it was very confusing and it explained a lot all at the same time. Bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from NFL and bowl season to esports and the world cup. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. For the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events, 
Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. Because it feels like they're trying to run these new new era of football schemes without actually having the full understanding of it. Because they've never ran this stuff before, and all of a sudden you're you're trying to do it with a guys in place like even Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia, who never mind haven't done offense their entire career. They haven't run this these these RPOs and these well these these new concepts. And so yeah. it's like it it feels like it's limited because they, they hardly understand it themselves. So my question becomes this is one of the first questions I had and I texted this to Evan actually I meant to text you. When they when they like when they see this stuff on tape from the opponents running it, right? What do they think it is? Because if like that that slant RPO, and I don't, I think Miami runs stretch off of it. They might run something else, they, like mm-hmm. as the run concept paired with it. But sure, I mean, how many times we've we seen that quick slant RPO from Miami kill the Patriots? Right. So it happened week one against Jalen Waddle goes for six. Easy. Money. Yeah. Right. So I guess what do like, what do they think that is when they watch that on tape? Do they think it's play action? Like, how do they evaluate that? And is this why they have so much trouble stopping it? Right. Because they don't. And this goes back to obviously before the Patricia era, but they, they don't seem to view it the same way that everybody else does. So I want I, like, Again, that goes to where it sort of explains some things. Like, I, I'd be interested to see, to and, and we may never know this, but when Bill sees that play on tape, right? What does he call that? How do they log that? Do they log that as play action? Do they log it as an RPO? And he was just totally bullshitting us today. Like, what is that? Well, I see in the chat too. Someone said, "You don't think they don't? You think they don't understand RPOs?" Like. I mean, again, Bill Belichick's one of the smarter coaches in football, and he always has been, and he forever will be. To say the game's passed him by could be a stretch right now. But it's starting to look like that week after week. Like, they're just not – I mean, they again, I keep going back to it. They couldn't even run a play last week. Like, they literally had to, hard times running play. And whether that's because of the concept, whether that's because of discipline, whether it's everything in, like in between kind of all mashed up together – we give Bill Belichick all this credit when things go good. You have to be able to slam them when things aren't going great either. I would also say it's not that I. This is why I'm so confused. I believe, like, I I agree with the the, the person in the comments that you know, right. Bill's seen every concept in football. He isn't confused by an RPO. Like, I don't think he would be. But what he said today doesn't make a lot of sense, right? 100%. What he said, and so that's where I'm confused. Like, right. I. I'm not saying he doesn't understand it. I just think he views the philosophy differently at its core than maybe some, than maybe the people who, the more modern coaches who like Bill didn't come up with RPOs, you know, those really kind of came into the league like 10 years ago. And that might be stretching it a little bit. I I was going to say, I was thinking more like five. Yeah. Right. So you have coaches who have developed in this RPO NFL. Bill hasn't maybe he just views them categorically differently than these other coaches do right for better or worse. I like, that's kind of, I don't think he sees it goes, Oh my God, what's that? And like, he can't wrap his head around it. Not that I do think he understands it. I just think he views it differently at its core than, than maybe some younger coaches do. And that could skew the way they maybe defend as well or the way they run it. Yeah. Since we're going into the comments, cause I've seen this one guy ask this like five times. Why don't the Patriots trade their first round pick for Jalen Ramsey? (laughs) <laughs> one they don't need a corner right. not that badly it's not their they do but it's not their biggest need two have you watched Jalen Ramsey this year yeah he's not been good he is no he's not great he's there's a reason the Rams are already out of the playoffs and he, he, he's played a factor in that so I normally don't just like randomly pull comments out of the comment section right. but that that one shook me up a little bit would I take Jalen Ramsey here sure would I trade a yeah. first round pick for him no no like, no that's I'll, that's gonna be crucial, yeah. especially. Again, we'll we'll talk about it as as this show goes on in the weeks go on. I think the Patriots are more likely to finish seven and ten than anything else got down the stretch. So they're gonna have a decent draft pick. They're not trading that for Jalen Ramsey. Um, but so yeah, that's that. That's the RPO stuff. Um, before we get, or do you have any more? Um, no, I think that's it. 
All right, cool. Before we get into uh, the Patriots versus Bengals here, I do want to talk about LinkedIn jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. We use LinkedIn Jobs here at CLNS Media, and we can't recommend it enough. It's super easy to post your job, then just add your listing and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. As we inch closer to 2022, now's the perfect time to add the right team member and end the year strong. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash beat. That's linkedin.com slash beat to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I don't think Mac Jones is going to have to use LinkedIn Jobs or LinkedIn.com slash beat, but we'll see what happens. I, again, I, I don't see it happening. We just touched on it, but anywho, let's get into Patriots versus Bengals. And let's start with this Patriots offense versus Bengals defense. I think that's the way to start here because the Patriots offense is basically under the microscope and it has been for 16 weeks now. But Alex, I just don't know. I don't know how they do this this week against the Cincy team all around, um, but even their defense, the Cincinnati defense, the Cincinnati, they started four and four. They've won six in a row. A lot of it's part in part to Joe Barrow in the offense. A lot of it's part to the defense as well. The defense is playing really well over the last six weeks. They're allowing 20 points per game. We talk about guys having guys on all three levels here on this show. Um, looping in the injuries, defensive end Sam Hubbard will be out. Uh, he's out with a calf, but, I mean, they have a guy like Trey Hendrickson on the other side. Logan Wilson, who Bill was asked about today on the second level, is a solid linebacker, too. He leads them in tackles. And then they have two stud safeties in Jesse Bates the third and Von Bell, guys who guys who you have to game plan for, right? We talk about that in this kind of the way this whole thing goes here, right? So Patriots offense is just not great. They're running into a buzzsaw. How do they attack them, and what do you see from the Bengals' defense? I, the one thing I will say is, so if the Patriots are going to have success moving the ball, and I know nobody wants to hear this, they d- being conservative kind of makes sense. The Bengals are a yeah. very aggressive defensive unit. They're going to go out there. They're going to hunt turnovers. Like, that's what happened last week, right? They got up. The Bucks got up 17 nothing, and then all of a sudden the turnovers piled up one because suddenly the Bengals' defense had really had nothing to lose, and they turned it all the way up to a 12. So, right. I, you know, the screens – the draws like that. Here we go. <laughs> it's we probably go. their best bet. And then build yeah. off of that. I hate to say it. You know, if you're throwing into the teeth of that defense, they're going to capitalize. That's what they want you to do. Uh, you got to get the ball out of quarterback's hands quick. They are very, very good at stripping the ball from the quarterback. They got yeah. Brady a couple times last week on that. So yeah. What Brady turned the ball over four times last week. He turned it over four times. Then he had one or two other fumbles that the bucks recovered. So yeah. it could have been as many as six. Like you've got to, you got to protect the football, right? Move incrementally, and that also helps the defense too. I think this is one of those games, and I talk about this all the time: shorten the game, right? Limit the total number of drives, limit the total number of plays. Don't give the Bengals any margin for error because you don't have any. So you can even the you can even the playing field that way. That's the best bet. Now, is it enough? I don't know. They're going to have to create after right. the catch, which they did not do a good job with against the Raiders. No. They didn't, no. and. Once again, we didn't see Kendrick Bourne on the field a ton. Um, Tyquan Thornton wasn't very involved. Like, we kind of took that step back from the Cardinals game. Right. If if, if they can go back to a that. A step back it, from the Cardinals game is is an understatement. And I'm not saying well, you're wrong. I, I mean, that I, I, maybe just, we're looking into the, the disaster in the desert way too much to, th- to take away from the offense. But there was nothing there. So a step back again, an understatement. I, I, I just mean, honestly, if you want to talk about it, I wasn't even talking about it in terms of performance. I really wasn't. Okay. I was talking about it. And you can say it; it's true in terms of performance as well. Like, right, I'll give you right. that. I'm not going to dispute it. But of course, I just meant in terms of, remember how excited we were after that Cardinals game about, hey, they're finally playing the kids and Kendrick yeah. Bourne. They're finally playing the kids and Kendrick Bourne. They are strong. They're using right. speed. Right. Maybe right. they found some speed. Yeah. Just, it didn't stick around. It didn't stick around right. last week. And that was kind of disappointing because however they got to it, they had finally gotten to it, and it was like, hey, here we go. You know, right. maybe this is the, the the kick in the ass they needed here for the final couple of weeks, and then poof. 
I'd like to say they'll go back to it and and get those yak guys on the field and make the Bengals defense tackle, but I mean, how many times yeah. am I going to bang my head against that wall, right? So yeah, I I think ball control, extended possessions, uh, marching their way down the field is what they have to do against this Bengals defense, but it's what they've needed to do all year and they've struggled to do it. Obviously, it would be better off for the Bengals if they had a guy like Sam Hubbard. I think of Hubbard and uh, Hendrickson, honestly, similar to kind of what the Patriots have in Uche and uh, yeah. Judon here. Just two bookend guys who can who can work off each other. Patriots offensive line played. That was sort of the one bright-ish spot last week. Um, I didn't think they were terrible. They weren't as bad as they were this se- They They have been this season. Um, they're obviously going to catch a break again with with Hubbard being out um you still think they go towards the screen game more so because of because of the lack of offensive line help they've had this season or more so just to take advantage of an aggressive defense all of it yeah all okay of it. I, I I mean there's more than one so reason, you don't right? trust the, you don't trust what the offensive line did last week is basically I think it was better yeah I would say that was in offensive line friendly game plan sure how much were they really tack like how much did they go five step drop down the field and, and they did a couple times right. and the offensive line held up but it wasn't yep. that should be the baseline right right and, and the fact is they haven't been that all year and so you kind of have to assume what they have um yeah i i think part of the reason they look good last week is a very offensive line friendly game plan and so why not go back to it right why not right. go back to it so the offensive line can look that way again I think if they try to throw the ball down the field, you know, some of these four or five second routes or even three second routes, it's not going to look like it did last right. Week. Looking still at the injury report and looping that into it here is the Bengals have looking at their cornerback room specifically and their secondary overall, but they don't have many safeties banged up. Like you have Eli Apple, Cam Taylor, Britt, Mike Hilton as sort of your, your three guys that you're playing at corner. Yeah. Two of, and then also Jalen Davis. Jalen Davis and Taylor Britt are both questionable. If they're banged up, I know the Patriots are banged up as well, especially Devontae Parker is officially out, by the way. Um, he won't play along with Joe Cardona, and uh, Jalen Mills is also out. So we'll get to that disaster of what might happen on the, the Patriots' defensive side of the ball. But looking at sort of how the Patriots can match up with the wide receivers they have versus the the Bengals' secondary. What do you see? Because, again, Jesse Bates and Von Bell are studs. And yeah, I have – I mean, I, I don't know how they'll play it exactly. I wish we could have got Trags on here to kind of give us give us the insider on uh, sort of the, the Bengals' philosophies this week and stuff. But what, what do you think about just the Patriots' wide receiver core against their secondary? I mean, the Bengals are going to go too high. Right. They want you to throw the ball underneath. Or, or sorry, they want you to throw the ball deep. Like they'll give they'll give you underneath. They'll give you underneath. Yeah, right. They want you to throw the ball towards those safeties. It sounds like all those corners are going to play. I believe was 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 the report yeah. this morning. So, like I I think you know Jacoby Myers, we know he can get open. That it, it's mostly smaller guys. So again, yeah. I like that ability to pick up yards after the catch, but I just don't. It's the safeties that make it scary, I guess. Right. I, I, yeah, I think I'm the corners you. are who they are, but those safeties are back there lurking, and they got a bunch of ways they deploy those guys. That's more what makes me nervous. If you can figure out ways to take the safeties out of it, which, again, is not you know getting too far into that intermediate and deep part of the field, I think, he, I think the Patriots can win some one-on-ones. Right. But if you're going to operate that way, that means you have to be consistent in sustained drives and not take penalties, which – is a lot for this team right now. Cincinnati also has a top 10 run defense in terms of yards allowed per game. Uh, they're allowing Yeah, they're going to have to throw the ball in this game. I was going to say they're allowing just over 100 yards per game on the ground, which, I mean, I'm just looking at the top 10 now, and it's like 100 yards per game at this point is really, is really good to hold the backs to. I mean, San Francisco holds to like 75, but that's just a different breed out there on the West Coast. Yeah, I mean, that team's absolutely potential stacked. Super Bowl favorite. Right, even with Brock Party at the helm. So, yeah. I, but again, Ramondre goes for 172 last week. It's completely overshadowed by the end of the game, but 19 carries for 172 coming off an injury. 
do they have a chance in the run game because of how good Ramondre is, or do you still think it has to be pass heavy because of that dominant run defense? Because I th- I th- I think Ramondre has shown that you can still use him and succeed with him against a solid de- a solid run defense. So do you think they steer away from it, or do you think they just did they still try and ride? No, they're 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 going to do what they do. They're yeah. they're going to do what they do. They're going to run the ball. We've seen that all year. I I think they're going to try to run into it. Which again, it would be a great chance for some play action. It's something they don't right. really do, but you're going to have opportunities for it in this game. So I I still think they give him the ball, and yeah, I still think he'll find some success. He he just he runs so hard, man. That yeah, he does. Even these good run defenses, like a lot of them, are good simply because they're so tough and and they don't right. give up those extra yards. But Ramondre is a rare breed where he's one of those guys. There's not a lot of backs like this that will fight, will, will fight harder for those extra yards. And it was interesting. I asked him today because there's two Oklahoma running backs yeah. on the other side, Joe Mixon and, and Smaj Pirine. What are uh, Pirine Perrine? I think it's Pirine. Samaj, um, I think it's Samaj Pirine. Yeah. Samaj Pirine. What, you know, if he watched those guys, if he has any relationship with them, being an Oklahoma guy. And he said, Joe Mixon was, when he was when when yeah. Ramondre was a JUCO player, Joe Mixon was his favorite college running back to watch. And Joe Mixon was at Oklahoma at the time. That makes a ton of sense. That that's yeah. a guy he watched and modeled his game after because they run the ball. Joe Mixon, another guy where he knows where that first down marker is, and damn it, he's getting there. Doesn't matter who's right. in the way. He's gonna do everything he needs to to get there. Um, you kind of it's it, you know, I'm not saying that any of these guys are Adrian Peterson, but you go back to Adrian Peterson and there is, I talked about this on the show a couple weeks ago um, about, or last week, actually, with Josh Jacobs is like an Alabama running back. What, what yeah. is an Alabama running back? And you see the thread, you can see they're all, there's something in common. You, I think you could say the same about the university of Oklahoma and the, and the backs, the Sooners have put out and RBU. Joe, are they? Uh, <laughs> no, it's still Bama. It's still yeah, Bama. I'm with you. It, the, the trail goes back further. Like, Oklahoma's had a ton of great backs recently, but man, we're going to go back to Sean Alexander, like continuously that old right. Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram. Uh, I mean, even guys like TJ Yeldon and like TJ some Yeldon, of those other guys, right? Kenyon like there was just Drake. so many that got there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Oklahoma, Oklahoma's had some great backs the last couple of years. And Fred Richardson. They all have that, they, <laughs> they all have that, yeah. that same thing in common where they're all very versatile backs. They all run very hard. They all play – they're all big guys, but they don't play like big guys, right? right. Um, Ramondre totally fits that mold. So I just thought it was an interesting comment from him. And back to the original point of can the Patriots run the ball, yes, I think so, because especially when it's going to be as cold as it is, and I think – was it the yeah. wind chills like 10 below or something like that? Yeah. When you get down there, tackling really is just a want-to thing because it freaking hurts – when you're when you're running into a guy full speed at that temperature, your body's yep. all frozen. And Ramondre talked about this a couple of weeks ago. He, as much as he personally hates the cold, he said he likes playing in the cold because he knows those defenders don't want to tackle as much. Right. I, I think he comes out juiced up for this game. I think he comes out with his hair on fire, keeps the motor going, and I think he could make an impact in this game as good as the Bengals' run defense has been. It's funny you mentioned the and sort of a, when we were there and you asked about uh, the Oklahoma stuff. You know, a guy like Samaje Pirine who. I remember him and Mixon together. Uh, they were they were together at Oklahoma as well because they yeah. played together with Baker Mayfield. And yep. I just remember, you, you know, you thought of it as P. Ryan's the the bell, not the bell cow, but the the big back who just you you slam the rocket with him. Right. And Mixon's sort of the the flash in the pan, throw throw a swing route to him, and he goes for eighty yards. But it seems like the way the Bengals use him. And, you know, when Mixon's hurt as well, he racks up receiving yards and receiving touchdowns for them. So, again, it's I didn't really think of it until you asked it today, but him and Ramondre are definitely that same build, right, where it's like you think they're just a ground-and-pound guy, but you can get them the ball in space. And Ramondre's talked about it ad nauseum this year, just how hard he worked to become a receiving back this offseason. Yeah. I mean, those guys have it, man, those 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 RBs at, at Oklahoma. So thought yeah. that was a good question by you today as well. So, And I, um, I'll just add real quick. If if you're not sold on Pierre Strong, or if you think the Patriots need to add another pass catching back, I thought he was going to come out last year. I was all excited. He stayed in the draft. He's coming out this year. Eric Gray from Oklahoma is a guy I'm going to be a big fan of this year. I'll, I'll tell people that right now. So if you want to watch some fun running back tape, go check it uh, out. Eric, the 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 train keeps going. Eric Gray is another good one. 
Any more thoughts on the Pats offense versus the Bengals defense before we shift over to yet another disaster class, which might be Joe Burrow against these guys? Uh, uh, no, I think good. Cool. Well, before we get into it, I do want to quickly give another shout out to our friends at Rocket Money, Alex, because if I can find this here, do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? You probably don't, as 80% of people have subscriptions they completely forget about. Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions when they actually spend closer to 200 or more. It could be an unused Amazon Prime account, a Hulu account, ESPN Plus, whatever it is. It never gets streamed and they're just draining your bank account. You could be wasting hundreds of dollars each month on these subscriptions and you don't even know it. That doesn't happen to me anymore because there's an app, there's an app I use called Rocket Money. It used to be known as Truebill and I love it. Can't get enough. It shows you all your subscriptions in one place and then cancels for you whatever you don't want. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. You may find out You've been double charged for a subscription and you didn't even know it. To cancel, all you have to do is press cancel and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Seriously, it could save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Cancel your unnecessary subscriptions right now at rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. So I prefaced the Pats offense versus the Bengals defense as sort of something that could turn into a disaster mainly because of the Patriots struggles on offense as we talk through it. And you know, the more I think about it, that's not the story in this game. I don't think I really think it's, yeah, I, I, I was tempted to push back when you said that. Yeah. It, it's as I prepped for the show, I was kind of just, yeah, I was thinking just the way the offense is for the Patriots a disaster. It's that's what it is. But man, the way this is coming together with, the Bengals winning their last six, Joe Barrow playing like an MVP, scoring 26 points per game, winning six in a row, versus this Patriots defense that Jalen Mills at corner is out officially with a groin again. Jack Jones is questionable with a knee, and John Jones is questionable with a chest. They were limited today, so those, those are up in the air here. The Bengals have Joe Mixon, they have Jamar Chase, they have T. Higgins, they have Tyler Boyd, they have Hayden Hurst, they have Samaj P. Ryan. I could keep going. Their offense is absolutely stacked. Alex, I don't know how they stop these guys. And I'll, we'll talk about it in uh, sort of predictions and how the Bengals are only three-point favorites in this game, which kind of blows my mind. It feels like a trap game. It's one of those things where betters talk about it, how somebody knows something or there's something in the air and it's Bill Belichick versus Zach Taylor. And I just don't see it. I don't see how they're going to stop these guys on offense. What do you think? So I actually understand that spread a little bit. First off, you get three points as a, as a, the home team by default gets three points. So they really think that on a neutral field, the Bengals are a touchdown better than the Patriots. I think the weather factors in. I know, but the other thing I'd say, go ahead is when the Bengals offense has struggled this year, it's been because of pass rush. Joe Burrow is yeah. still a little twitchy under pressure. And he's not as bad as, you know, a guy like Zach Wilson or, you know, some of these other younger quarterbacks in the league, or even Kirk Cousins, who sucked under pressure this year. But he's not handled pressure well, especially when it's coming right at him. He's had 19 passes batted down at the line this year. Not only is that a league high, his batted pass percentage, which is just over 5%, is actually the second highest, if, if it finishes at that number, would be the second highest in the league since 2019 for a single season. Only Baker Mayfield's been higher, and Baker Mayfield's like not tall, right? That makes sense. Kyler Murray, percentage-wise, has had less passes batted down than Joe Burrow, and a lot of that, I shouldn't say batted down, batted, because a lot of those have actually been batted up and turned into interceptions. Sure. So the Patriots pass rush is the leveler here because they're not going to let Joe Burrow, as long as they keep it going, light them up. They're not, they're going to be in his face and the Bengals offensive line is a lot better than it was last year, but that's not saying much. It was atrocious last year. Shout out Teddy Karras. He's big reason why they've been better. They miss him. Great guy. Them continuing to push the pocket is going to give Burrow happy feet. He is going to struggle with that. The question to me is, can they do it for 60 minutes? Because what happened last week was they put so much on that group. In pass rush, 
I don't want to say you don't go 100% on every play because you do go 100% on every play, but... But you scheme it differently. Right. It's, you know, you might have one move that's like your go-to move is pass rusher, right? You might, for a couple of plays, run... You don't run that move. You run a couple different moves that look like it, and you're setting up for when you get to a gotta have it down, that move hits, right? right? But they kind of go you know, third and 10 for the game throughout the whole game. That's what they did last week against the Raiders. And what happened was at the end of that game, all the gotta have it moves were gone and they were a little spent and right. they kind of went more vanilla. Some of this is the play calling too. Like, and, and it's kind of chicken or the egg. Were they more conservative because, you know, they had to call it more conservative because the players were gassed or did the players look more conservative because of the play calling who knows? But they they didn't have it there at the end of that game, right? And you can't give the Bengals an inch because they could pass rush for 50 minutes. If they start to fade in those last 10 minutes, based on what we've seen from this offense, the game's probably still close enough that Burrow and that offense can use those last 10 minutes to pull away. Right. That's what I think you're afraid of as a Patriots fan. If the, if the pass rush can bring it for 60 minutes – they are going to give Burrow fits in this game. Like it's been, again, it, he hasn't been Zach Wilson level bad, but he's not. It's like a thirty point drop off in in QBR. It goes from or, or in in passer rating. Sorry, it goes from like one twenty to ninety. So they they can mitigate him a little bit, but they've got to keep doing it throughout the game because, like you said, right in the secondary they're banged up, and the Bengals are big receivers. Right, T Higgins is six four. Tyler Boyd's what six two six three in the slot. Jamar Chase is somehow only 6'1". I thought he was 6'4". He plays 6'4". Yeah. And with Jalen Mills out, you're talking about, you know, 5'10", Jonathan Jones, 5'8", Marcus Jones, 5'8", Miles Bryant. There's just natural separation there that you're not going to be able to overcome for 60 minutes, regardless of how well those guys played. Marcus Jones played great last week on Devontae Adams, and he had some good reps against Matt Collins. But what the Raiders figured out late in that game is Matt Collins is 6'4", and Marcus Jones isn't. And they started exploiting that, and I'd expect the Bengals to do the same thing. Well, they also found out that Marcus Jones was playing basically every snap in the damn game, and he was just absolutely yeah, passed at the end. So, but no, it's a good point about the pass deflections, or yeah, him getting the passes deflected, and that it's not a height thing, right? I mean, I remember Joe Flacco in his heyday in Baltimore when he was out winning a Super Bowl and he was 6'5", and he'd drop back and he'd just, you know, sling it to guys like was it Jacoby Jones and whoever else those guys yeah, were, um, right? Uh, who was it? Number eight, not Sidney Rice. Was it Sidney Rice? No, Sidney Rice never played. He played for the Vikings. What number? I want to say 14 or 16. This is good. I got to look this up. It's going to piss me off. Yeah, but, I mean, the point being, right, he's this guy who – had a decent Jacoby amount of Jones. Oh, Torrey Smith. I'm thinking oh, of Torrey yeah, Smith. Oh, yeah, yeah, Torrey Smith, 82. He had that game. So, what was it? Like his his sister died, I think, and then he came out. Yes. And the Patriots played the next game, and he torched him, and it was like, I yeah, can't even be mad. That that's such a, awesome. That's such an impressive performance. Yeah. Point being, though, Joe Flacco had that same thing where he had this spread of wide receivers who were pretty damn good. He could drop back and just sort of pick teams apart. But there was something to the way he threw the football, and he had a lot of passes deflected, despite his height and the way he could just spread the football around the field. I still think that the way this secondary is so damn depleted, you don't have to... I mean, again, you, you worry about the, the pressure and batting the ball down, but it's like, it doesn't even seem like the Bengals, you know, the recipe doesn't have to be that tough. It's just... Get the ball to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, and they're going to beat up on guys like Marcus Jones. And what are you going to have to go to Sean Wade and Miles Bryant? Like, I mean, they should go to Sean Wade. They, they refuse to do it, but they should. But you really think Sean Wade's ready to go against T. Higgins in basically his first full reps of NFL football? Well, like, so no, they, I guess that's the problem. Here's what I'd say. They, they did. Well, they should have gone to him a long time ago. Like, this is kind right. of right the issue of not playing the young kid 100 percent. and then you have to throw him in there and it happened on offense last week again the offensive guys actually played well when pierre strong but a right. matchup against this bengals there's a, there's a reason we we're all so impressed about that about right. because of that so i right. just worry like when they do start throwing fades when they do start high pointing the ball to t higgins yep 
what is the adjustment? Is it Sean Wade? Is it Kyle Duggar? You know, him playing out there at corner? Is it Adrian Phillips? Like, well, this is what I mean, Alex. It's like the fact that this is even the conversation, just this is not going to go well for them. No. But again, <laughs> like if, if you get Burrow pressured, it okay. helps significantly. Yeah. Because he's not as accurate. And if you're, look, if you're batting the ball up or down at the line, it's not getting there. It's not getting to the matchup. The matchup becomes irrelevant. So they've got to get on that. But someone's yeah, asking the chat. Someone's asking the chat. Sorry. Jalen Mills is not playing this week. He is out. He would yeah. make a difference, but he's, he's out. Been this week, so. No, they're two big corners. Jalen Mills, what, 6'1, 6'2? Yeah. And Jack Jones is six feet. Like those are two prototypical big boundary corners. Jonathan Jones has been fantastic on the boundary, and I don't want to call him a slot corner anymore because he's proven he's not just that. And he yeah, first deserves that credit. But he's 5'10. I mean, that's the reality of it. There's a reason yeah. most boundary corners are over six feet. It's because most perimeter receivers are over six feet. Marcus Jones and Miles Bryant are slot corners. They are. And right. it's just you can't teach height. You can, as, as good as you are, you can't teach height. It's been a long time since there was an elite shutdown boundary corner in this league that was like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, Those guys don't really exist anymore with, right. with how big receivers have got because there's a time not that long ago where T. Higgins at 6'4 would probably just as a default be a tight end. And Yeah, like a guy like Devin Funches. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now he's not. Now he's not. So now you need that size on the boundary because the offenses are putting size on the boundary. It just, it, it worries me. And you look at the, I mean, the run game too. I mean, so Joe Mixon last week, he wasn't great, but he's still coming off a concussion. That's a guy who was a top back in the NFL mixed with Samaj P. Ryan yeah. too. What do you think of the run game? I, again, I don't even think the Bengals have to run the ball once to win this game, but they can use those guys in space and they use those guys with, you know, in their pass game as well. So, I mean, what do you think about just, I guess more so the Patriots, quicker linebackers they're using now versus a versatile two running backs. You know, you never thought, and uh, I'm sort of thinking on the fly here, but like I never thought we'd see a day where we'd be talking about game planning for Samaj P. Ryan. And that's only because all he really was for so long. And he's older. I think he's, you know, approaching 30 now. I don't think he's very young. He's been around for a little while, but he's a guy who just sort of, he gets reps when Joe Mixon is out. And he plays really well. So now it's like now they just use him in sort of a, a dual threat backfield to kind of give them give them some time off, I guess. And they're both really good. So how do they defend that? What what do you think of that matchup? I mean, they they played pretty well against the run last week, all things considered. I thought even with Jacobs, I, I think having Christian Barmore back helped. I thought Lawrence Guy played a really good game. Yeah. They can defend the run up front. I, I actually think they can do that. As good as Mixon is, just with where this offensive line is and everything. I think if the Bengals are running the ball, that's a win for the Patriots. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, it's just, the again, I, I had to touch on the run game because it's always a part of it. But Oh, for sure. I mean, this this passing just – it's basically what I've been saying for the past 10 minutes. It's just Jamar Chase is so good. T. Higgins could be a wide receiver one on just about any other team in this league. When Tyler Boyd is your third running – or your third uh, wide receiver, excuse me, that's when you know – Tyler Boyd, again, could be a guy who would be a wide receiver two, fringe wide receiver one for like maybe 10, 15 teams in this league. He's a guy who just, he was so good there for a while. And then they brought in Higgins and uh, Jamar Chase in back-to-back drafts. And he's right. he's fallen down the depth chart in theory, but he's still so good. Well, he's such think? a prototypical, like big slot. And right. he's like exactly, I think what you look for in that big slot receiver. And totally. They've done a great job of kind of, like you said, he's fallen down the depth chart, but they've kept him involved. And they've done a great right. job of of carving out a role for him and creating a role for him where he's he's he makes as big of an impact as any of them because he's kind of turned into the volume target guy there. Right. And you didn't because really they, you him. end up with your third run, your third cornerback on him. Right. You didn't really peg him as that kind of guy coming out of college, but he's adapted to the role. I mean, it's just it's a magnificent job of you know, but the coaching staff are coming up with the role and coaching him up and for him being willing to expand his game and putting in the work, like that's what you want. When you draft a player like that's such a, that's such a hit. It's just, that's the goal. So, uh, you know, good for Tyler Boyd and yeah, he's, he's going to be a tough matchup. It says a lot about him too, right? A guy who was there for, he was a second round pick similar to Higgins. They, they built the offense around him early on. I think yeah. when, when it was sort of the end of the Andy Dalton era, right. And 
AJ Green was gone, whatever. And it says a lot about him just as a pro, like you mentioned, where he they bring in two guys who are, you know, deemed, I guess, better than him. But he's like, no, I'm going to stick around and, you know, try and win here and make this a lethal wide receiver room. And that's exactly what they are. Right. Um, I guess lastly is something we touch on here a lot is just tight ends. And, you know, Hayden Hurts is limited. I loop him into that. We've talked about it here before, but the the Robert Tunyon category, the Tyler Conklin. You just where, have like Travis Kelsey and then just like every other tight end in the league kind of. Don't well, you? that's sort of what it is. And I guess that's, no, that's, no, that's more so a fantasy football view of it. But like, Ugh. do you play fantasy football? No, I hate fantasy football. Interesting. Um, it's not representative of real football. It's, no, it's like not. very much not. And it bugs me. What do you think of Hayden Hurst with Kyle Duggar here? Because I think Kyle Duggar can can lock him down one on one. Yeah, but Kyle, if they have to use Duggar elsewhere, then that that creates a problem in itself. I think Kyle Duggar or Adrian Phillips could could handle that matchup. I mean, Hayden Hurst is he overpowers a lot of safeties. Like that's his game. He's a big, powerful guy. But Patriots have these big, strong safeties, right? That's their type: Duggar, uh, Phillips, Jabril Peppers. So I Hunter Henry doesn't. They have so much depth at receiver, and they have so many big receivers. The teams are using Hayden up the big corners. What did I say? Hunter Henry. Hunter. Double H, same game. Tight end, yeah. <laughs> they have all these big receivers, and teams are using up all their size to cover these big receivers. So I think Hayden Hurst kind of gets lost in the game plan, and he finds himself on mismatches. The Patriots' defense is actually uniquely built where I don't think they have to worry as much about that. So good player, good fit in the system. I, just, I, I think the Patriots are built well to take him away in this matchup. I'm with you. I, I do want to push back on the, the, the tight end rankings because uh, we have Mark Andrews in that top tier and Darren Waller scary in that top tier. And again, Kyle Pitts is someone who struggled because Arthur Smith seems to not want to throw him yeah, the football. That's, and now that's he's a usage thing. Room. Do you but remember that year? What random tangent, but the Falcons. We love random this. tangents here. Do you remember that? It was one of the years Sark was there. Uh huh. Julio Jones had seven say. targets in the red zone all season. Do you remember yep. that? And yep. I'm pretty sure he caught six of them for touchdowns. But I think one of them was when he mossed Malcolm Butler in the in the rain game here that time. Yeah, yeah, it was that year. You're right. Yeah, it was the year after because Shanahan left and Sark replaced him. You're exactly right. right. Like, and I've always kind of. Was, I have a friend who's a Falcons fan. I bust his balls about that all the time. Mm-hmm. And now with Kyle Pitts, like it's, it's a different coaching staff, like all together. Totally different, different administration. Yeah. But they're, they're still doing it. Yeah. Like, is it just a Falcons thing? Like, it's just mind blowing to me. So I think Kyle Pitts rules. I think he's a really good player. I love that draft pick. Yeah. And then too. they go out and they draft Drake London. It's like, well, draft somebody who's like small and quick. But, I know. And besides that, I thought they killed the draft. I know we're doing pa- Falcons beat right now, and it's weird. But <laughs> I'm sorry. This is like one of my Welcome favorite to the Falcons beat podcast. Yeah. But it also kind of proves the point we've talked about with the Patriots. The coaching staff can make the talent of the players irrelevant. You look at that yep. and say, well, he has no catches in the red zone. Julio Jones must suck in the red zone. No, like clearly he doesn't. Right. Nobody who watches the games would say Julio Jones sucks in the red zone. He is one of the greatest red zone receivers this sport has ever seen, which makes it all the more perplexing. You just got to throw him the damn ball. That they right. threw him seven <laughs> targets. And it's not like they weren't getting down there. They just weren't doing right. it. They were running the ball. Or who was their slot guy that year? They kept throwing it at the slot. They kept trying to run like digs and turn him into Edelman, and it just didn't work. Yeah. Who was it? That's uh, going to kill me. It wasn't Russell Gage, was it? Could have been. Um, what else did they have? It was Calvin Ridley. No, it wasn't Calvin Ridley. I would remember no. that. Oh, okay. No, so Calvin Ridley was on the boundary opposite Julio. Oh, it was uh, um, uh, Marvin Hall. Oh, that's so stupid. Yeah, let's scheme it up for Marvin Hall in the red zone. Like they had, they also had Mohamed Sanu. They had like decent receivers. Oh, yeah. That was when they traded for Sanu, I think, right? That was the year. No, they traded for him in 18. Because it was, oh, no, 19. They traded for him in 19. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, anyway, Nikhil's rookie year because Nikhil got anyway. We don't need to revisit that. Yeah, no, yeah, this, this, this is good stuff. But how do we start this? Uh, I pushed back on you saying that I only have Travis Kelsey. And oh, we're talking about, and then we're talking about Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great Kyle tangent right there. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, they're gonna have a hard time. Um, to wrap it up here, um, I sort of mentioned it earlier, but as a better, 
the Bengals minus three line kind of makes me think. I know you said a touchdown better. I still feel feel like the Bengals are a touchdown, a, a lot more than a touchdown. Isn't there something about like not betting on games with weird weather though? Yeah, but it makes it all that much more fun. Anyway, yes. I, I I would go with – I think the Bengals are going to win. You can read my full prediction on clnsmedia.com, but I don't think it's going to be that close here, frankly, Alex. I think that the Patriots are sort of down for the count. I think the Bengals are continuing to try to prove something. They want to win that division. They want to go back to the Super Bowl, and they want to win it this time. The only way they do that is if they keep building off what they've already done this season. I think Joe Barrow is the MVP. Uh, Jalen Hurts being hurt. I wrote about this really as well. Holmes? I so I wrote about I did MVP rankings on clnsmedia.com. Yeah. And the thing with that is it, it the Mahomes thing kind of reminds me of like the argument of well, why isn't LeBron James the MVP every year? Or why isn't Bill Belichick the coach of the year every year? Like I understand that Pat Mahomes is the best player in football. And it's it's not very close, in my opinion. But MVP is just as much a storyline award as it is a stat line award. And I think that what Hertz, Hertz was doing was great in Philly. That's going to hinder itself a little bit over these next few weeks if he can't play. You then go to the next best story. And Mahomes, we always expect it. That's always there. That's the norm. With Joe Barrow winning six in a row and rolling and bringing them back from four and four, he's one of the best players in football. I just think that storyline mixing with stat line and kind of the way they're rolling right now, I would give the I would give it to Joe Barrow. All right. I, I mean, I, to, I, does that make I, sense? I hate that concept. I think if you're deserving for it, you should get it. I hate the idea that like, well, yeah, it was a great year for Tom Brady, but like, did he go in above and beyond Tom Brady standards? Who cares? Why is he judged differently? Right. He's better than everybody else. Award him for it. As much as it pains me to say it, I say the same thing about LeBron. Or I said he's probably a little past that. Yeah, he's a I don't think he's the best now, player but... in the league anymore. But there was that time where like, he was clearly better than everybody else. But never won it because it was like, well, this is what he does every year. He's not yeah. like, it's not like so. I would give it to Mahomes. I, I granted, I I think it's still open. Like I'm not saying right now Mahomes is locked it up. I think it's wide open. If I had to vote today, I would vote for Mahomes. But if Burrow lights it up the last three weeks, right? I I could very much be swayed because you close on 11 straight wins, right? Is what it would be. They've won eight in a row, right? And they've won. No, they won six in a row. They won six. six. So, you, so it'd be so nine you, in a row. You close on nine straight wins. You're throwing the ball over the yard. Like, I'm not against it. I just think right now, I I think right now it's Mahomes, but there's room for Burr to win it. Um, my like predictionist thing, and I kind of said it before with the pass rush, because mm-hmm. I think that's the story of the game. Sure. I think it's been one of those games that's maybe it doesn't feel as close, but is close on the scoreboard for most of it. And I think the Bengals pull away late. Yeah. I think they just, you know, they put together a couple drives late in the game. Defense is gassed. Offense can't stay on the field. Um, they, you know, they're going to get up there like 70, 75, 80 plays. Yeah. And, and the Bengals just, just, they, they, they find their way through. They kind of right. like what it was against the bills. Uh, sort of like what it was last week. I know that that's a little different, but yeah, it's um, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, but, it, but is it like it got last down week, last week time? was just its own beast. Yeah. And the, and the Raiders finally started throwing the ball. So I, I just think that sort of game script uh, kind of thing, I think, is what we're in for. That being said, if the pass rush plays a full 60 minutes, the Patriots can win the game. The pass rush has to play a full 60 minutes, which they can do. Will they do it? We'll see. But they can do. The story of the game here, in my opinion, is Bengals receiver throws a banged up pat secondary, and I think it's just too much in the end. That's that's sort of where it is. So I, I think we're kind of saying the same thing. In a You're way. saying that the Bengals receivers will dominate the Patriots corners, and I'm saying if the pass rush gets to Burrow enough, it takes that matchup out of the equation. Sure. Right. So Again, we'll see what argue, happens. We're both making the same argument in different ways. The staple yeah. of this show. Yes, Arguing for the sake of arguing. We'll see it on Saturday, Christmas Eve. Um, oh, wait, we, we got, got one. There's one more key to this game, too. Yes. Joe Cardona's out. He's actually out oh, for yeah, the year. Oh, yeah, he Rick is. Rick just reported that. He's out oh, for the really? year. So it's going to be Tucker Addington. Like I said, the, the margin for error is real thin. Bad snap, something like that. I'm not sure the Patriots can overcome that. So yeah, uh, a lot of eyes on former Houston gambler, USFL draft pick Tucker Addington. Look at that. Uh, uh, not Houston Baptist. Where'd he go? Um, Zion McCollum went there, the uh, corner in the draft. 
Uh, ah, Sam Houston State. Sam Houston uh, State. So you're a better anyway, man than me for, for knowing where Tucker Addington went to college, Barth. But no, it's a big element. You're right because the special teams have been off and on this year as well. Sometimes they're great. You have Marcus Jones winning games, and sometimes they're awful. When Jabril Peppers is whatever happened last week with the block punt. So again, yeah. that's a good point. Didn't think of it. Cardona out for the year is tough, but ultimately Bengals win regardless. Um, let's close this one out as we always do on Thursdays with a Thursday night football prediction. Uh, the Jaguars are at the Jets. This is an interesting one. The Jets are still fighting tooth and nail to try and make it into the playoffs. Uh, Zach Wilson is starting again. Um, it's a pick 'em, so it's it's even matched. The Jaguars are rolling, and they have a real chance to make the playoffs here because not only are they rolling and Trevor Lawrence is playing like the number one pick that he was last season, but down in Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill's out, out for the season for the Titans. So they're rolling with Malik Willis all year. I believe the Jaguars are one game back of the Titans right now. I think they're tired. Aren't they both 7-7? Seven and seven? Or the Titans 8-6? and six? I think Titans might be 8-6. and six. Yeah, but whatever it is, the Jags have a real shot here the next three weeks to, to win one more than uh, Tennessee and get themselves in the playoffs. So you never would have thought if I told you beginning of the season or even at some point last year that Jaguars Jets on Thursday night football would mean a lot in week 16, but it really does. Yeah, it, the team. it sounds like a meme. like oh, it's a Thursday night game. Well, I bet it's like Jaguars Jets, right? Exactly. Right. But, but it means a lot. What do you think? I, honestly, the Jaguars could get in as a wild card team too. A lot would have to go their yeah. way, but does nine, eight get you in as a wild card team? It very well might. If they AFC went out, so top heavy, so it could. Yeah, and by the way, I was like, the the Titans are seven and seven. So the Jaguars are six and eight. I, I thought they were seven okay. and seven for some reason. Okay. Um, so I don't know if you have you seen the weather for this game. Speaking of the weather, I haven't. It's like borderline freezing, big winds, pouring rain the whole night. Like that's the oh, forecast. That's bomb cyclone thing coming in. I'm not picking Mister any team, anytime, any place. Zach Wilson in that environment. Yeah. Remember, he was, he was talking about the wins at Gillette. No. Yeah. No, I'm not picking him in that spot. And ultimately, I think the rain favors the Jets because yeah. they can do more running the football and they have a better defense. But it was Mike White I picked Jets. I would. I'm not I'm not picking Zach Wilson in a hoss in, in a uh in a in an inclement weather game. I won't do it. I'll probably be wrong, but I won't do it. Uh, I know, I and I, I want to root for the Jaguars here because I like Trevor Lawrence, and I think, you know, he got the, sh- the the short end of the stick when it came to the Urban Meyer stuff last year. He took a beating, and he's playing like a, like a beast of a quarterback the last few weeks. I'm shamelessly a Zach Wilson fan sometimes. I don't know why I do it to myself. I don't do that. There's no reason for you to do that. Um, but I am. I think he has the tools, and... To, in the spirit of the show, you're going to take the Jaguars, and I'm going to take the Jets tonight. The Jets have a really good defense, and is, is I, think, I think you're going to be right. That's the thing. I think you're going to be right. Interesting. I wonder though. Like, does Trevor Lawrence play well in, in inclement weather? Like, he was a he was a Clemson cat. He was he a, was bitching. Zach Wilson was bitching about like 12 mile an hour wind. No, I I I, 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 I don't Lawrence, trust Zach Wilson here. But. Trevor Lawrence seems like a game. Look. If he made it through the Urban Meyer era yeah, without fair. his spirit being broken, like he's got to be a gamer, right? He has to yeah. be to get through all of that without, you know, without lasting damage. Yeah, so, fair point. So anyway, I'm trying that's to think that. of a bad weather game I've seen him play. I mean, he's in Jacksonville. He's in the right. AFC South. I don't think there's been a ton of times where he would many. even at Clemson, like going back, not really, but cold games even. Have they has he played in the cold? Like I don't they they came up to Trevor BC Lawrence. one year late in the year. I don't think he was but you're playing right. that game. Oh, you're got right. COVID. I think he got he COVID. COVID. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Anyway, maybe I, when I think I, of Trevor Lawrence, though, can you think of Trevor Lawrence wearing long sleeves? No, I can't. That's the point. That's I really the thing. can't. Yeah, right. But he still survived Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. Yeah, that's fair. Which is as bad as anything. So that's gamer. worse than a that's worse than a strong. Let, but, let me put it this way: He is a presumed gamer. Yeah. Until I like he that. proves me otherwise, I will consider him a gamer, an interim gamer. Well, I like it. Bart's on the Jaguars. I'm on the Jets for this one. I don't like it, but I'm doing it in the spirit of the show. Um, that's that for us here on Patriots Beat. 
Um, you can follow Alex on Twitter at RealAlexBarth and read all of his Patriots and all Boston sports content at 985thesportshub.com. You can follow myself on Twitter at Mike Cadlick. Read my stuff at clnsmedia.com. Sports betting, Boston sports, Patriots, all of it. Me and Alex will both be at Gillette Stadium on Christmas Eve to cover this game, Patriots versus Bengals. Uh, we will be back next week to break this one down, and uh, we will go from there in what is uh, likely a tumultuous end to this Patriots season. But any given Sunday, any given Saturday, things can happen this weekend. But, uh, again, until then. Christmas, baby. Christmas Christmas. Miracle. You never know. We'll see. Uh, happy holidays, everybody. And uh, we will be back next week. Again, thanks for watching, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.